the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. It's so great to have you with us again on this Friday afternoon. And I am thrilled to be joined by senior fellow at American Reformer. Talk about a lot of great things. His name is Aaron Wren. Aaron, how are you doing today, man? Great. Thanks for having me on. It's absolutely my pleasure. Uh, let me just get this by way of biography, and then we're going to dive in. Tell us about the American Reformer, and what is it that you do as a senior fellow for American Reformer? Well, we are essentially a Protestant think tank, although nice. we don't use the term think tank. We have a journal. <laughs> Uh, we have academic centers focused on things like Christian higher ed. And then we also partner with stakeholders and institutions to do things like help them set direction for the future. So typical think tank stuff. And I'm a writer and researcher, mm -hmm. previously worked for a uh, more politically oriented think tank, policy think tank in New York called the Manhattan Institute. And then before that was in management consulting. And so I'm basically sort of a journalist slash consultant Great. Uh, and uh, American Reformer is kind of my institutional home. Cool, man. Sounds like a fascinating life you lead. So I'm, we're grateful to have you on. I want to talk first about the idea uh, of culture wars, right? Like it used to be when I was growing up in the church, it was uh, there's the Christians warring against the secular society and the world and all of this stuff. It feels I would love your thoughts. It feels like it's now Christians against Christians against secular society. Like well, it's like, it's, it's not as black and white as like Christian against non-Christian. Can you help us understand the kind of the new landscape of the culture wars out there right now? Sure. Well, this is the topic of my new book, Life in the yeah. Negative World, Confronting Challenges of an Anti-Christian Culture. And one of the things that I do is, is point out that there's been a sea change in the culture, uh, how culture views Christianity. We talk a lot about how Christianity views culture, but big changes since the 60s and how culture views Christianity in the 50s, uh, we were essentially a Christian normative society, maybe mm -hmm. a Protestant normative society, you might say. In the 60s, that went into decline. And I divide the period of decline between, say, 1964 and the present into three eras or worlds that I call the positive, the neutral, the negative world. 64 to 94 is the positive world, where Christianity is in decline in America, let's be clear on that, but still basically viewed positively. Hmm. 94, we hit a tipping point. And we entered the neutral world, which lasted from 94 to 2014, which Christianity is not viewed positively anymore, but not really viewed negatively yet either. And in 2014, we had a second tipping point in which now for the first time in the 400-year history of America, Christianity is essentially viewed negatively by elite mm -hmm. secular society. Christian moral norms are expressly repudiated, and Christianity is essentially viewed as a new primary threat mm -hmm. to the new public moral order. And I believe a lot of this uh, culture war that's internal to the church is a result of the pressures of this new negative world bearing down on different groups of evangelicals. I mean, evangelicalism mm -hmm. was never a 
monolithic movement, right. uh, for example. And I sort of identify sort of three groups, which you might call the, the culture war or religious right people, which was definitely one strand. There was also the seeker sensitive or sort of what you mm. might think of as the suburban non-denominational megachurch sort of movement uh, exemplified by like Willow Creek there yep. in Chicago being the pioneer of that. And then a group that I call cultural engagers that emerged later in the in the 90s, which was more urban, upscale, upper middle class Christianity, sort of a resurgence of Christianity in the cities as mm. cities like Chicago came back mm. after their, their mid-century decline. And these were sort of different people. They were... Um, you know, some were more fundamentalist, some were more yeah. evangelical in sensitivity, some were more urban, some were more rural. And so evangelicalism was never sort of a monolithic movement. And as these pressures have borne down, this group of people started to crack up and they're now sort of turning their guns on each other, so to speak. <laughs> it's, that is such a great way to describe it. I, when you do it by dates like that, 2014, I was a pastor. Was it just a general trend or did something happen? Like, it, did something happen to change the, the eras or was it just the trend and then it kind of just went over the cliff? Well, I think there was a trend that, that was kind of going on, but clearly some big cultural ruptures occurred in President mm -hmm. Obama's second term. Keep in mind, in 2008, President Obama campaigned as an opponent of gay marriage. So did That's Hillary right. Clinton. Mm -hmm. And in fact, California. California voted in a referendum to ban gay marriage in their in their uh, constitution. You know, gay marriage is now the law of the land and essentially is right. accepted by the vast majority of the public. So that's quite a sea change there on sexuality. Uh, we also see the same thing on on kind of race issues, where what some uh, columnists mm. or pundits called the Great Awakening really started to taking place in mm. in that era. NYU professor Jonathan Haidt. Uh, talked about 2013 as the sort of date when college campuses started to go a bit crazy. So there was a lot going on on campuses, <laughs> race. Yeah. You can debate whether 2014 is the exact date, but it certainly happened in Obama's second term. And it happened before yeah. Donald Trump got into the presidential race. And so Donald mm. Trump is certainly, I think, was a product of this more than the cause of it, although certainly was an accelerant. Of so. some of these trends mm. in terms of the evangelical crack. Yeah. Mm, that's really helpful. Uh, love to point to the future. So, is it, what's the next trend, do you think? Is it, we're <laughs> more marginalized? We're kind of more against culture? Does it turn? What do you foresee happening? Yeah, I don't like to predict the future because it's way too uncertain. I mean, in, in 2015, nobody saw Donald Trump coming, not even Donald Trump. That's yeah, right. Whatever. Two years later, he's the president. You know, that, that sort of thing happens. Nobody expected this pandemic to come. And so I think we uh, I think we're in a kind of an uncertain, unknown future. And so what I suggest in my book is that rather than kind of a business strategy type approach, which Bill Hybels used to start Willow Creek, Mm -hmm. We need to have a posture of exploration and get used to walking more by faith than by, by sight mm. and just realize we're in kind of an uncharted territory, which means we sort of have to feel our way along and know that things are going to change. Uh, and what we shouldn't do is just project the trend straight into the future. Mm. You know, assume Christianity is having a going out of business sale, adopt this <laughs> fatalistic thing. Because there's no room for God to show up in that. That's right. And so we That's don't right. we don't know what the future is going to hold. It could be really really bad, worse than we think, but could also be pretty good. Yeah. But I do think we need to make adjustments in terms of how we think about our role 
uh, both as the church and in American society, mm. as we might think of as a moral minority yeah. that cannot necessarily aspire to, you know, political dominance. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what I wanted to ask you is if these trends as they're moving, it feels like we only talk about them as like the detriment to the church and the problem. There also feels like a lot of opportunity, opportunity for evangelism, opportunity for loving our neighbor. How would you speak to that? What is the opportunity for the church right now? There is an opportunity. I think we need to think about evangelism differently. Mm. And there's kind of two, two things on that. One is, uh, you know, unlike the old Billy Graham crusades, mm -hmm. You can't even assume people know who Jesus is, mm -hmm. or even the, the worst thing. There was this ad campaign, He Gets Us. Mm -hmm. They ran, ran ads in the Super Bowl about Jesus, ad campaign for Jesus. They're spending like a billion bucks on that thing. <laughs> Got a lot of criticism from kind of all quarters, but it was targeted at a real problem, which is that people don't know the first thing about Jesus. Yeah. So it, that's going to be like uh, an, a one. Another twist is that you have to think about how do you get people not just to believe Jesus is true, Christianity is true, but also to embrace something that will that's low status. Yeah. How do you get somebody to sign up for something that's low status? I actually think that like circa 2018 Jordan Peterson shows that there's a hunger for truth mm. and for people who will authoritatively and yet to use a derided term today winsomely mm. articulate truth in a courageous way in the public square and he attracted massive numbers of young men to him because he was saying things that were true, but maybe a little bit politically incorrect. That's right. And so I think clarity on truth, uh, an idea I, t I borrowed from theologian James Wood, is a big opportunity for us to articulate and communicate the truth in a new way. Mm. Now, maybe not in a bomb-throwing way, but not in a, a fearful way either. Yeah, I, I feel like we just tipped the iceberg here, but I would really encourage people, if you are listening to this, to go get the new book he, uh, Aaron Wren put out, Life in the Negative World, Confronting Challenges in an Anti-Christian Culture. It just came out at the end of January, or I should say is coming out at the end of January, Life in the Negative World, Confronting Challenges in an Anti-Christian Culture. Uh, culture. Aaron Wren, senior fellow at American Reformer. Aaron, as I said, I feel like we just got to the tip of the iceberg. Right. We'd love to have you on again sometime, but thank you so much for your wisdom and uh, good luck with the book. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.